And I'll be talking to Jesus for the rest of my life. What a friend we have in Jesus. Hi, this is Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 36 of The Life of David Brainerd by Jonathan Evans. The several companies of Indians to whom I have preached in the summer past live at great distances from each other. It is more than 70 miles from Cross Weeksung in New Jersey to the Forks of Delaware in Pennsylvania and thence to sundry of the Indian settlements which I visited on the Susquehanna is more than 120 miles. So much of my time is necessarily consumed in journeying that I can have but little for any of my necessary studies. And consequently, for the study of the Indian languages in particular, and especially seeing I am obliged to discourse so frequently to the Indians at each of these places while I am with them in order to redeem time to visit the rest. I am at times almost discouraged from attempting to gain any acquaintance with the Indian languages. They are so very numerous, some account of which I gave in my diary of May last. And especially, seeing my other labors and fatigues engross almost the whole of my time and bear exceedingly hard upon my constitution so that my health is much impaired. However, I have taken considerable pains to learn the Delaware language and propose still to do so as far as my other business and bodily health will admit. I have already made some proficiency in it. Though I have labored under many and great disadvantages in my attempts of that nature, it is but just to observe here that all the pains I took to acquaint myself with the language of the Indians with whom I spent my first year were of little or no service to me here among the Delawares, so that my work when I came among these Indians was all to be begun anew. As these poor, ignorant pagans stood in need of having line upon line and precept upon precept, in order to their being instructed and grounded in the principles of Christianity. So I preached publicly and taught from house to house almost every day for whole weeks together when I was with them. My public discourses did not then make up the one half of my work while there were so many constantly coming to me with that important inquiry. What must we do to be saved? And opening to me the various exercises of their minds. Yet I can say, to the praise of divine grace, that the apparent success with which my labors were crowned, 
unspeakably more than compensated for the labor itself and was likewise a great means of supporting and carrying me through the busyness and fatigues under which it seems my nature would have sunk without such an encouraging prospect. But although this success has afforded matter of support, comfort, and thankfulness, yet in this season I have found great need of assistance in my work and have been much oppressed for want of one to bear a part of my labors and hardships. May the Lord of the harvest send forth other laborers into this part of his harvest, that those who sit in darkness may see great light, and that the whole earth may be filled with the knowledge of himself. Amen. Chapter 8 Being part second of his public journal of The Continuance and Progress of a Remarkable Work of Grace, among the Indians in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, kept by order of the Society in Scotland for Propagating Christian Knowledge, Renewal of Labor at Crossweeksung, Outpouring of the Spirit, Remarkable Ease, Signal Displays of a Divine Power, A Convert, a number of Christian Indians accompany him to the Forks of Delaware. Striking conversion at Crossweeksung. Day of fasting. Lord's Supper. Conversion of a conjurer. General remarks on the preceding narrative. November 5, 1745 through June 19, 1746. Crossweeksung, New Jersey, 1745. Lord's Day, November 24. Preached both parts of the day from the story of Zacchaeus, Luke 19, 1-9. In the latter exercise, when I opened and insisted upon the salvation that comes to a sinner, upon his becoming a son of Abraham or a true believer, the word seemed to be attended with divine power to the hearts of the hearers. Numbers were much affected with divine truth. Former convictions were revived. One or two persons newly awakened and a most affectionate engagement in divine service appeared among them universally. The impressions they were under appeared to be the genuine effect of God's word brought home to their hearts by the power and influence of the divine spirit. November 26, after having spent some time in private conferences with my people, I discoursed publicly among them from John 5, 1 through 9. I was favored with some special freedom and fervency in my discourse, and a powerful energy accompanied divine truth. Many wept and sobbed affectionately, and scarcely any appeared unconcerned in the whole assembly. The influence 
which seized the audience, appeared gentle and yet pungent and efficacious. It produced no boisterous commotion of the passions, but seemed deeply to affect the heart and excite in the persons under convictions of their lost state. Heavy groans and tears, and in others who had obtained comfort, a sweet and humble melting. It seemed like the gentle but steady showers which effectually water the earth without violently beating upon the surface. The persons lately awakened were some of them deeply distressed for their souls and appeared earnestly solicitous to obtain an interest in Christ. And some of them, after public worship was over, in anguish of spirit said they knew not what to do nor how to get their wicked hearts changed, etc. November 28, discoursed to the Indians publicly after having used some private endeavors to instruct and excite some in the duties of Christianity, opened and made remarks upon the sacred story of our Lord's transfiguration, Luke nine twenty-eight to 36, had a principal view in insisting upon this passage of scripture to the edification and consolation of God's people. Observed some that I have reason to think are truly such, exceedingly affected with an account of the glory of Christ in his transfiguration and filled with longing desires of being with him that they might with open face behold his glory. After public service was over, I asked one of them, who wept and sobbed most affectionately, what she now wanted. She replied, oh, to be with Christ. She did not know how to stay, etc. This was a blessed, refreshing season to the religious people in general. The Lord Jesus Christ seemed to manifest his divine glory to them, as when transfigured before his disciples, and they were ready with the disciples universally to say, Lord, it is good for us to be here. The influence of God's word was not confined to those who had given evidence of being truly gracious, though at this time I calculated my discourse for and directed it chiefly to such but it appeared to be a season of divine power in the whole assembly, so that most were in some measure affected. One aged man in particular, lately awakened, was now brought under a deep and pressing concern for his soul, was now earnestly inquisitive how he might find Jesus Christ. God seemed still to vouchsafe his divine presence and the influence of his blessed spirit to accompany his word, at least in some measure, in all our meetings for divine worship. November 30, preached near night after having spent some hours in private conference with some of my people about their soul's concerns. 
Explained the story of the rich man and Lazarus, Luke 16, 19 through 26. The word made powerful impressions upon many in the assembly, especially when I discoursed of the blessedness of Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. This I could perceive affected them much more than what I spoke of the rich man's misery and torments. And thus it has been, usually, with them. They have almost always appeared much more affected with the comfortable than the dreadful truths of God's word. That which has distressed many of them under conviction is that they found they wanted and could not obtain the happiness of the godly, at least They have often appeared to be more affected with this than with the terrors of hell. But whatever be the means of their awakening, it is plain. Numbers are made deeply sensible of their sin and misery, the wickedness and stubbornness of their own hearts, their utter inability to help themselves or to come to Christ for help without divine assistance. And so, are brought to see their perishing need of Christ to do all for them and to lie at the foot of sovereign mercy. Lord's Day, December 1, discoursed to my people in the forenoon from Luke 16, 27 to 31. There appeared an unfeigned affection in many, and some seemed deeply impressed with divine truth. In the afternoon, preached to a number of white people, at which time the Indians attended with diligence, and many of them were able to understand a considerable part of the discourse. At night, discoursed to my people again, and gave them particular cautions and directions relating to their comfort in diverse respects, and pressed them to watchfulness in their deportment. Seeing they were encompassed with those who waited for their halting and who stood ready to draw them into temptations of every kind and then to expose religion by their missteps. This concludes episode 36 of Jonathan Edwards' The Life of David Brainerd.